Open with me to the book of Hosea in the Old Testament. That uh, the video we're watching each, each week is a modern day retelling of this prophet Hosea and his wife Gomer. And we started it last week seeing about how uh, Hosea's life, God used him, not a parable, but this real story of Hosea marrying an unfaithful wife is a picture of unfaithful Israel and God's love for us and for the nation of Israel, even when we are unfaithful, how God's love is boundless. But today, in Hosea chapter 2, we are getting to um, a difficult part of the story. A hard part of the, this prophet Hosea and his life. We're going to see some very raw Emotions, some very real emotions coming out of Hosea as his wife Gomer is going around cheating on him. And he shows us a little bit of God's tough love for Israel, which is what we're talking about today. Not the funnest of topics and subjects, but something that we see in the scriptures and something that we see in the life of Gomer and Hosea and something that we need to talk about to understand a little bit more about God's love and who he is. So as we read, maybe, I don't know, be thinking about what you would do, what you would do if you were Hosea. If your spouse was unfaithful to you. How difficult that is for so many. And how God loves us still even in spite of our unfaithfulness. You're going to have to keep coming back each week. Uh, What's Hosea going to do? As this story continues, if you missed last week and you're like, who's Hosea? Who's Hosea? I never heard of this guy. And what's this deal with him marrying a prostitute? Is it, are you sure that's in the Bible? That's the right book you're at, Dan? Yeah, you can listen to last week if you want to catch up a little bit. We talked more about that last week. But we're going to see, um, well, just, just maybe asking ourselves a question. Is Hosea going to keep pursuing, pursuing his wife Gomer? Even through all this, is he going to keep Chasing her and loving her, even in the midst of her cheating, unfaithfulness. Let's read today on this sort of a somber, <laughs> somber kind of chapter. Verse chapter two in Hosea, verse two. But now bring charges against Israel, your mother, for she is no longer my wife, and I am no longer her husband. Tell her to remove the prostitute's makeup from her face and the clothing that exposes her breasts. Otherwise, I will strip her naked as she was on the day she was born. I will leave her to die of thirst as in a dry and barren wilderness. And I will not love her children, for they were conceived in prostitution. Their mother is a shameless prostitute and became pregnant in a shameful way. She said, I'll run after other lovers and sell myself to them for food and water and clothing of wool and linen and for olive oil and drinks. For this reason, I will fence her in with thorn bushes. I will block her path with a wall to make her lose her way. When she runs after her lovers, she won't be able to catch them. She will search for them, but not find them. She will think I might as well return to my husband for I was better off with him than I am now. Verse 8, she doesn't realize it was I who gave her everything she has. Remember that about God. 
the grain, the new wine, the olive oil. I even gave her silver and gold. But she gave my gifts to Baal, this false god. But now I will take back the ripened grain and new wine. I generously provided each harvest season. I will take away the wool and linen clothing I gave her to cover her nakedness. I will strip her naked in public while all her lovers look on. No one will be able to rescue her from my hands. I will put an end to her annual festivals, her new moon celebrations and her Sabbath days, all her appointed festivals. I will destroy her grapevines and fig trees, claiming things she claims her lovers gave her. I will let them grow into tangled thickets where only wild animals will eat the fruit. I will punish her for all those times when she burned incense to her images of Baal, when she put on her earrings and jewels and went out to look for her lovers, but forgot all about me, says the Lord. That's our passage in Hosea today. If you read the church email and Dan said, read Hosea 2, and you read Hosea 2, and you're like, holy cow. What in the world is Dan going to preach about this Sunday? I don't know. But you're here. I'm glad you're here. You didn't skip. You can write this down. Um, it's, we need to know that God allows painful cause and effect in our lives. This is some heavy stuff today. Some of you might be like, uh, can we stop about stripping the prostitute naked and letting her shame be exposed? Can we, can we get back to Jesus, please? Can we just talk about his love? This seems pretty harsh. But God allows painful cause and effect in our life, in the nation of Israel's life. The prophet Hosea here, he's in just unimaginable deep, deep pain. If you've ever felt betrayal by a person, especially by her, uh, your spouse, you know. You know the, the hurt, the immense, I can't even imagine, trauma and tragedy that, that happens every day. And this is to somebody who I, Hosea pledged his life to. He made this covenant with. He made this commitment to Gomer. Undying love. You know, what do we say at weddings, right? In sickness or in what? For richer or for what? For better or for what? Until what do us part? It's easy to say those words on a really fun day when you're all gussied up and pretty and you got a a beautiful dress on or a suit or tuxedo and you go, yeah, we're going to do this together. And then you get married, and then the days go by, and the years go by, and the months go by. And and life kind of happens, and sometimes, uh, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but we can get discontented in our hearts, get distracted from the best ways God has for us, get distracted from our spouse, and like Gomer, chase after other lovers, maybe in real life, or maybe spiritually with like God, where we chase after other idols in our life. That's what's happening to Hosea. And he's not even sure right now if his wife's kids are his. He's got to go on Maury Povich and find out, am I the father, right? Who's the father? The DNA test came back. Hosea, you are not the father. That breaks my heart as a father. If that were to ever happen, I can't even imagine. 
And Gomer, she's not even being shy about it. She's like going out publicly. She's shamelessly doing these things, going around with other lovers, trying to satisfy these, the cravings and, and the desires that she has, just like Israel is doing, all out in the open. They're not trying to hide it. They're, they've got these big you know, altars and things set up for these false gods. They're doing this false god worship as well as at the temple for the one true God. But they're committing spiritual Adultery. We talked about that last week. They're even, you read this in, in uh, Hosea 2 a little bit later that we read today. And some of it's poetic and you're like, kind of what is this, what does the thorn bushes mean and what, is, what does this mean? But when, when you understand what's going on, they're, um, they're attributing the provision that God has given to them. They're saying, oh, God didn't give it to us. Baal gave it to us. Baal provided these things. He, he, this false gods, these false things that we're worshiping, that's how we um, got what we got. They are blessing us, not God, not the one true God. And they are attributing God's provision to other false gods. How do you think God feels right now? Pretty crummy. Israel is going after other lovers. They have divided hearts. They have wandering ways. But sometimes uh, in life, God, God lets us have what we think we want. Do you know that? He doesn't stop us from having free will, from being a robot following Him, right? He doesn't stop us. He lets us go. Chase after the things the desires, the, the lust of the flesh, the pride of the eyes, the, the things that we think we want in our natural self. And uh, he lets us live in disobedience. That's a free will. He lets us live in our disobedience and lets it play out. Natural consequences. The natural consequences of our decisions follow. Painful cause and effect happen in our lives and the nation of Israel. Have you ever had a natural consequence? You speed and you get a ticket. And you don't say, God, why would you allow this policeman to stop me? And God's like, that's on you, buddy. You, you press the gas pedal down way too hard. You think I'm going to let you just or let you break the law and stop this you know, cover his eyes with scales so he doesn't see you. No, it's a natural consequence. You break the law, you probably, at some point, going to get a ticket when you get caught. If you hurt somebody, if you steal from your company, if you beat people up, if you're a hitman for hire, you know, you do these things, natural consequences happen. When you verbally assault your wife or beat your kids, Natural consequences happen. Child Protective Services may come in. She may go to the, uh, a shelter or her mom's house or whatever to get away from you. Natural consequences happen. It's a very, very basic underlying principle in the Bible and in real life that we reap what we what? Sow. We reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. Whether you believe in the Bible, whether you believe in Jesus or not, Every person on this planet reaps what they sow. It's just a truth. So many truths in the scriptures are just truths. Not you have to believe in Jesus to reap what you sow, but you just reap what you sow. 
So Israel, they broke in their covenant with God. They made this covenant. We, we talked about last week on the mountain with Moses, Mount Sinai. They made this covenant. God says, I will be your God. You will be my people. And then they're like, okay, you're my God. We're going to follow you. And then they you know, went and fall, worshiped false gods. But they broke this covenant that they had made with God. And so God allowed the natural consequence of this conquering nation that was right next to them. Assyria in 732 BC, they came in. They took them captive. They decimated their homes, killed a lot of people, took them away to slavery. God allowed this natural consequence of the Assyrian Empire to evade. He didn't stop it from happening. He didn't let Israel keep speeding without getting a speeding ticket, per se. He let the chips fall where they may. Reaping what we sow. Sometimes it can seem like God is, has removed His blessing from our life. He's removed His provision. He's removed His favor, His protection. But honestly, one of the biggest blessings that we can have from God is His uh, blessing of tough love. Tough love is a big blessing. When He allows our life allows our life to become difficult based on the choices that we have made. So we go down the wrong path. We see that that is the wrong path. We're kind of hit over the head or you hit rock bottom. What do they say? And the head, hit in the head with a two by four, you know, to, to wake up and realize what you're doing is wrong, to stop doing that and to turn back to him. Hebrews 12 says it like this, for the Lord disciplines those he love, loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As his child. We are children of God. Let's talk about parenting for a minute. This parallel between parenting and God. A good parent lets their kid get away with everything, right? Right? They can break the law. They can break God's law. They can beat up their brother and sister and scream and cry and whine and disobey and not clean up their room and run in the street and a good parent says, do whatever you want, honey. I'm not going to stop you. You go chase after what you think is best. You know, you eat chicken nuggets every meal, every day. Whatever, it's on you. I, I, <laughs> that's called not parenting, okay? A good parent disciplines... And sometimes punishes those kids that they love. If you do not discipline your child in a way, you, you're not loving them. Because when they grow up, have you ever seen uh, your friends or any kids grow up who are, maybe they call them entitled, or they get their way, or they get everything that they want? Not that we shouldn't love kids, but there's a difference between loving well and letting them get away with everything. And they grow up to be adults who do what? Do whatever they want. They keep doing it, right? They think they can live life with no consequences. And then one day, they're picked up by the police, and you're their one phone call, and they say, Mom, Dad, I'm in jail. Come get me. And you're like, oh, I'll bail you out. I'll bail you out. I know you didn't mean to do it, honey. Just perpetuating that getting away with everything, that entitlement. Sometimes 
oftentimes it is good for a parent to say, look, you did this, fill in the blank of the child's name. The natural consequence, Rachel likes to talk about natural consequences, right? When you leave your toys out, we're not going to smack you around and spank you real hard. The natural consequence of leaving your toys out is you go pick them up. Now you can pick them up tonight or you can pick them up tomorrow if it's not raining outside. Or you can pick them up the next day, but you're going to get some consequences in between for disobeying and you're going to pick them up at some point. Like You're going to have to do this. Just go do it. The natural consequence uh, of the behavior oftentimes works itself out. Sometimes you've got to be a little bit more creative, right, Rachel? Natural consequences can be hard with certain things. Like if a brother hits a sister, you don't say, okay, Ellie, go ahead and just stand right there, Raya, and you, know, you hit him back, hold him down. Okay, That's, let's not do that. <laughs> but a good parent lets sometimes natural consequences play out. Not uh, get in, you run in the street, well, you're probably going to get hit by a car someday, so... I'm just letting you know, if you die, that's on you. Now, we're not going to say that as a parent. We're going to stop, to, we're going to try to prevent that. But sometimes when they go down a path, that pain, that uh, memory of the pain helps the child, helps us to not do it again. Have you ever been hurt touching a hot stove and you say, not going to do it again, Natalie? Right? She was telling me about that this morning. Have you ever done something in your life that you said, that was stupid? Why did I go 100 miles an hour and crash into a tree? Not going to do it again. I got to look up from my phone and look at the road or I'm going to crash into this person. Whatever it is, fill in the blank. We've all done stupid things. Hopefully, the consequences of those bad decisions helps us learn and grow and stop that and do the right thing. And that's kind of what uh, God is doing for Israel. Here. I've told my kids over and over and over and over again, wear your shoes while you're riding your bike. Guys, put on your shoes, protect your feet, because I have seen too many bloody toes to know that that doesn't always work out well. And our neighbors got this one bike a few years ago that it's kind of like a, like a sit-down, sort of pedals out here, kind of sort of a buggy thing. And it's got this chain and I'm like, mm, I don't know about that chain. It's just, it just goes back and forth. There's like no protection around it. What do you know? One of my kids came in with a bloody toe. It got cut on the chain. It got cut up. And I'm like, yeah. So wear your stinking shoes. How many times do I have to tell you to wear your shoes? But you know what? When they come back to me and they say, oh, my toenail, you know, my, uh, is, my foot is bloody. I got to scratch it from the bike. What do I say? So I say, sorry, that's your luck. Get out of here. Go find sympathy somewhere else. No, I say, oh, what happened? Are you okay? Oh, let me see. That. Let me kiss your boob. Let's get a Band-Aid on that to make you feel better, okay? If a kid's not bleeding, they still want a Band-Aid to make Daddy themselves feel better. So. Danny, they do come. My kids call me Danny sometimes, but I don't know why. I didn't start that. But... Danny, you know, I hurt my toe, Danny. Danny, help me. Like it's her little toesies, right? And we get that Band-Aid on there and we clean it up. And I embrace them and I hug them and I love them and I let them know I'm here for them. And then I say, hey, guys, maybe wear a shoe next time. And God does that for us. Our consequences to our choices 
Sometimes we make poor decisions. Anybody ever done something dumb? I could probably raise all my hands and all my feet, right? We do that, and even so, we experience those natural consequences. Hopefully we feel that memory pain and we learn and grow from that decision. But God is there, and He says, That was dumb, Dan. Why'd you do that, Dan? That was stupid. But I love you still. Come here. Come here. Come in. Bring it in, Danny. Come here. God says, I love you. Are you okay? Let me kiss your boo-boo. Right? He helps us to heal from that. And then says, Dan, maybe wear your shoes next time. And then you won't experience the, the pain and consequences of your poor decisions. If we keep doing stupid things, if we keep making poor decisions and never learn from them, but just keep doing it. No consequences. We're going to keep doing it. And we're going to keep hurting ourselves and other people in the process. If we keep doing things that are causing us pain and causing other people pain. And don't do that. God says, I love you. But when you make bad choices, He's not going to save us from that. Necessarily, because he knows that those things can be learning opportunities for our kids. We know that pain is a learning opportunity. Gideon has a bandaged, wrapped hand this morning. You may have seen. He is not going as a mummy for Halloween, uh, as you may have thought. But we were at uh, camping at Hocking Hills on Thursday, just because I know people are going to ask, so I'll just tell everybody at one time. This is what happened that I don't have to say it 20 times. Uh, so he, I was getting him a sparkler, and we were doing this at night. And the campfire is over here. And so we did it over here. And stupid me, I should have done it way over there, obviously. But I'm like, here, Gideon, here's your sparkler. You know, and he's like, I don't know. It is kind of a... right? And I'm like, oh, it's okay, buddy. He's done it before. So I, I kept trying to give it to him, and it kept backing up. And Rachel and I were like, get in. No, stop backing up. Don't. There's a campfire. Watch out, buddy. Hey, don't stop backing up. Hey, no, no. And he fell like this. <laughs> Into the campfire that had been going earlier. And so it was way down. There was some hot coals left, Okay, which is a good, not as bad part of the story, right? And he had fallen, we call it his little biscuit. Okay, his... <laughs> His bum, he fell sort of near the edge. The, the campfire ring metal is this tall, right? So he fell, and his legs are kind of up here like that. And his bum didn't get into the fire, which is good. His swim shorts protected him, so he didn't burn his biscuit. But he did reach out, and to stop himself from falling, he put his hand out here into some hot coals. And I'll tell you, the screams that followed that... Uh, will be difficult to forget. And so he's got some burns here, and he has some burn blisters, and up here just a little bit from where it could have been much worse. And I praise God that it wasn't. And right away, we called Nurse Nikki. <laughs> she said, did you take him to the emergency room? I said, I'm camping in Hocking Hills. She's like, oh, oh, okay, we'll put it in some water, do this, and we had antibiotic ointment and some gauze. Anyway, but ever since then... <laughs> Ever since last Thursday doing that, as he's been bandaged, and we took him to Dayton Children's, and they made sure everything's okay, and, and they told us what to do, and he'll be fine in a few weeks, but 
he just, several times he's mentioned to me, watch out for the fire. Dad, Daddy, don't, don't get too close to the fire. Said, okay. <laughs> and that memory of that pain, I'm telling you, will help him next time we go camping or have a campfire in our backyard. He's not going to get as close. And I definitely won't let him turn his back to the campfire and do this number because that, uh, you know, a parent's heart, it's like, oh, why didn't I do the sparklers over there? But he will remember that pain going forward in our life. Our decisions, bad, foolish choices, hopefully create this pain memory of our consequences, uh, the natural consequences that cause us to repent and turn away from the campfire and to turn to God instead and not to get burned by bad decisions in life, but to follow God, to repent and follow God instead. And sometimes God allows us to to chase those things, to choose those things that we think are going to make us happy, we think are going to make us whole or satisfy us or fulfill us like Gomer and Israel. And he knows they're not. But he allows us to experience the heartache of those things not satisfying us so that we understand and realize that he is the only one who can truly satisfy and fulfill us in life. That's his tough love sometimes. And he's trying to persuade Israel by letting the Assyrian Empire attack and take them captive. He's trying to persuade them as they're doing this to come back to him. See, I told you, don't follow false gods. Not going to go well for you. That's a tough love of God. So to show you an amazing example of this, I'm going to turn to one of the most used passages in the scriptures. Luke 15, if you want to follow with me. And I read all we're going to read from Hosea today, but I'm going to close out with this passage in Luke 15. This is, as you may have guessed, the parable of the lost coin. Just kidding, it's the prodigal son. Why would I do the coin? No, Uh, it's the prodigal son. And this is how we are. Just think of yourself as the prodigal son or daughter. Okay, This is us. This is us so many times. This was Gomer. This is Israel. Luke chapter 15 in the New Testament. Look at verse 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. It's basically saying, I I want you to be dead so I can get your money. Okay, (laughs) Dad, I wish you were dead. Not a great thing to say to your parent. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Verse 13, a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money and wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. How humbling. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, came to his senses from this pain here, consequences. He said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. He's prepared this whole apology speech. Verse 20. So he returned home to his father and while he was still a long way off, 
His father saw him coming. And this is the beautiful moment where you, you, the music swells in the movie. And it's like, oh, hallelujah, right? And this is the, the violins and the strings coming in, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. I have done stupid a hundred times over. I am so sorry. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robes in the house, put it on him, get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, kill the calf we have been fattening, we must celebrate with a feast. They're having a party. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. You can skip over to verse 32. We've talked about the other son another time, other times. I just want to finish with 32. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead. The other brother's a little jealous. For the brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. That is our story so many times. Last thought, you can write this down. Drifting is easy, but we must come back. To God. Come back to God. Drifting is so easy. I remember one time I was on the beach. This was a few years ago. And Rachel always gets nervous when we go to the beach. She gets nervous when she goes on vacation with me. A lot of times. Whether it's a summit or in a mountain that I have to... Huh? Climb? Pretend to drown and still have I did do that. This is not that story, but I'm a little stinker pants sometimes. Anyway. So we're here at the beach. And Rachel's like, what's Dan going to do now? Okay. So I take my boogie board. I say, Rachel, I'm going to go out and ride some sweet waves. right? I want to go enjoy. So I'm swimming out on the boogie board. And I'm swimming out and I'm swimming out. And, you know, it's real cool on the ocean. It just goes on forever. And, you know, the family's way back there. And Rachel, and then Nancy, you're right. I did pretend I, like, held on to my boogie board string as a wave came up and down. And I went in the water, held my breath while she just saw the boogie board, not my greatest husbanding moment there, <laughs> but I'm swimming out there in the waves and I'm enjoying. There was some cannonball jellyfish, which scared me a lot. They don't sting, by the way, but I'm swimming and swimming and swimming. And as I'm doing that, I don't notice that this current is taking me. Anybody ever been to the beach and you look up a little while later and you're like, hey, we the waves. And you're like, this does not look familiar at all. Uh, well, how did that bridge get there? I don't remember that dock. And where did my family go? What the heck happened? How did I get uh, like a mile away, you feel like? So I'm going, oh, okay. And Rachel's probably freaking out like, am I going to have to raise the kids alone? Please, God, don't let me like, raise the kids alone. So I make my way to the beach. And I come back. And I'm, I'm like, I have to walk fair ways back. Oh, there they are. There Now this looks familiar. And here's the kids. And here's the wife. Right? You know it happens. But I was drifting. And drifting. Slowly drifting away. It was kind of quick. But I was drifting away from my family. On my boogie board. And that happens to us and our hearts a lot in life too. Like Gomer. Like Hosea. Like the prodigal son. Our hearts, they get divided. 
Our hearts get distracted by the things of this world. And we are prone to wander, if you remember the hymn. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to what? Leave the one I love. Yeah, remember the hymn? I kind of take it back a little bit. Prone to leave the one I love. And we drift, and we drift from God. If we're not careful, we might look up one day and wonder, where am I? How did this happen? How did I get so far from God and from the people that I love? And we drift and we drift away from our loving Savior, hurting ourselves, hurting other people in the process. One day maybe we get distracted. We're, you know, we got to get to work. We got to do this. We got to do that. We're, we're not reading the Bible that day and then it becomes two days and then five days and then 10 days and then 100 days and then 500 days. We're not praying and it just becomes a habit. We're not being a part of a, a church family one Sunday. And then the next week, oh, you know, maybe I'll go camping. I got to be back camping on Sunday, you know, because my boss is making me work Sundays now. But uh, <laughs> so we go camping during the week a little bit. But you, oh, yeah, it's pretty. I'll go camping. I'll go on the boat. I'll uh, go ride my motorcycle. Go out of town. Hey, you know, maybe I worked really hard yesterday uh, cleaning the house. So I'm gonna sleep in. And you know, we do this. I stayed up late watching a movie or playing video games, anybody? And then that Sunday goes by, and then the next Sunday, and then the next Sunday, and then the next Sunday, and then it's Christmas, and you're like, oh man, i got to go to Christmas at Troy View, because I miss them. I haven't been there in like a year. But years can go by. And so we just get distracted, and we drift, and we drift, and we allow ourselves to drift. And God's like, I'm over here! <laughs> like Rachel, Dan! You shouted to me out in the ocean before. She doesn't like these stories, by the way. Bringing back traumatic memories. Dan, over here. Come back, God says. Come back to me. You're drifting. And sometimes we're like, la, 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 God, la, la, la. And we're distracted by the things of the world. Drifting, drifting, drifting from God. And we've got to come back to prioritize Him above all else in this world, because everything else, some things are good things, but they take up the most important thing, which is God and Jesus and His community here together, of believers. One day we might wake up and it kind of hits us like a ton of bricks. I have drifted so far from God and from other people. I have screwed my life up so much. How can I ever... Come back. How can I ever... I've, I've wandered so far. And we need to... Like a Revelation says, God says to the church in Revelation, you have forsaken your first love. So how do we come back when we've forsaken our first love? We love our first love again like we did in the beginning. Come back to the first love, whether it's your husband or your wife. Whatever it is, especially God. Come back. Come back. A lot of the prophets... In the Old Testament, they're just like, come back, come back, come back to God. Return to me, says the Lord. He, not, he wants us to return because he knows that that is going to be ultimately fulfilling, satisfying, that this world just can't do. And as we drift far away, we kind of hopefully have this realization that we so desperately need God. Not that he's just a fun week, weekend hobby, you know. I don't have anything else better to do on Sunday, so I'll just... Get some free coffee and see if Dan puts on a funny outfit this week. We'll see what's up. <laughs> no. But that we desperately, desperately need Him. Do you realize this morning that you 
desperately need God and Jesus, our Savior. And even if you've drifted, the good news is no matter how far you've drifted, no matter how long you've been away from God or Jesus, He's always there. Like the prodigal son's father, running to you, hugging you, embracing you, kissing you, saying, come back to me. I'm just happy you're home. I missed you. You went so far away. You did so many foolish things. Forget all that. I'm just happy that you're back. That you're home. That you've come back to God and Jesus. It'd be easy for him to point his finger, right? The prodigal father and uh, God to condemn us, to list all the things that we did wrong and we did stupid. But it just says, come here. I love you. Let me kiss your boo-boo. I'll put a band-aid on it. Just come back. It's okay. It's okay. I'm not going to judge you for all that. Just forget. Just I love you. I saved you. I've forgiven your sins. Just come back to me. Where in your life have you drifted? Where in your life has your heart wandered or been distracted from the things of God? Where in your life have you left your first love, your Savior, or your spouse, and you've wandered from them? Will you come back? Come back. God's tough love is not about condemnation. It is about restoration. He allows things to happen so that with the hope that we come back to Him and are restored in right relationship with Him. We're going to talk more about that next week in the rest of Hosea chapter 2. So it's not just about the tough love of God. It's about the tender love of God too. There's that as well. We'll talk about that next week. God wants Israel to come back. To have that relationship restored. Hosea wants Gomer to come back. So he doesn't have to go on Mari Povich again. Right? <laughs> Am I the father of this one? How about of this one? How about of this one? I don't know. And he wants us to come back. Come back. Come back. Come back. So we're going to sing our last song. And I hope that you do come back. But as we're singing our last song, we're doing this for a few weeks. I want to encourage you, come on up, come on up while Greg is leading us in worship music and uh, to take a, a mosaic tile again. Have it, you know, maybe even just stand here and say a little prayer or something to yourself. Have that represent your wandering heart, where you've drifted away in life and your brokenness. And lay it on the cross, like we did last week, or if you weren't here, you take that piece, you lay it on. And I'm going to, these are all glued. Don't worry about, oop, except that one. Hang on. Sorry. These are mostly glued. And lay it on there. And we're going to keep doing this every week until we fill it up. And then we'll see how God makes something beautiful out of our brokenness and makes us whole again, even though we wander. Let's sing to our Savior. You can come on up.
prodigal son, we tend to forget the son that paid and didn't take the chance. Lord God, please help us to trust in you fully, completely, holding nothing back. I pray for my brokenness, for the brokenness of everyone gathered here or watching later, that you would help us to make something beautiful out of our mess. That you would help us to come back to you when our heart drifts and we wander in life and we try to chase after things in the world that we know won't fulfill us. Help us to come back to you, God. To come back to you. Thank you for restoring us in right relationship with you through your son Jesus who gave up his life in our place for our sins. Help us to have that restoration not just at our conversion, not just in eternity, but to have that restoration daily through you, with the people around us, and uh, in our relationship with you and Jesus in our life. Thank you that you are the Father who loves us, and no matter what we do, you still just want us to come back. Help us to come home. Help us to come home this week to you and to your best ways of living. To forsake the ways of the world that have been tearing us up and wrecking our world. And to follow after our Savior. Guide us in the path towards righteousness. You are our everything, Lord. We thank you most of all for who? Jesus. In His powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen.